I'm Matthew Handley. On this bonus episode of the Flatlining Podcast, healthcare strategist and economist Ron Howergan and I discuss the internet-famous Dr. Joseph Mercola, who continued to remain popular throughout and now after the COVID-19 pandemic because of his wild theories about the virus and the vaccines. Like many conspiracy theorists, Dr. Mercola takes a grain of truth and stretches it in strange ways, making it appear that something nefarious is going on. I want to change gears just one more time now to talk about something, that, and I don't want people to think we're beating a dead horse, but I couldn't resist when I saw this pop up on um, Real Clear Health uh, the other day. And I do encourage people to check out Real Clear Health because sometimes it's a good aggregate of, of different health news articles, but they have definitely tilted in the um, COVID vaccine, COVID conspiracy direction. So I wanted to spend time talking about a piece that they shared from uh, the Epic Times, which for those of you who are not familiar, the Epic Times is a, it's a print newspaper and it's available online um, that was started several years ago by ex um, Chinese expatriates living in the United States who wanted to respond uh, to the Chinese Communist Party. So they created this newspaper. It's generally very well. It, it was very conservative before COVID. It's gotten, I would argue, right wing as COVID has gone on um, almost to the extreme. I know for a while there they refused to call COVID-19 as COVID-19 and referred to it as the Chinese flu for a very long time. Um, I don't think they're doing that anymore. I see COVID written many times in this article. But this article is by someone who, if you scroll through the health internet a lot, the health sections of the internet, you may see it's by Joseph Mercola. And Ryan, I guess I'll let you start by explaining um, who Mercola is and why you would not recommend him to be read if you're interested in hearing about vaccines, health procedures, any sort of general treatment. Yeah, so Dr. Mercola, and he is a doctor. He's an osteopathic mm -hmm. doctor. Uh, he is board certified in family medicine. Um, I should note, not immunology, not infectious disease. Um, Dr. Mercola's got a long history of a pretty predictable pattern, and it has done exceedingly well for him. So this is a doctor who quite a while ago started to stray from what people would call traditional medicine and moved into what he was sort of referring to as sort of more homeopathic, you know, dealing with the whole, um, the whole of the person and natural cures, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he found a very good formula to make serious amounts of money. And the formula that he uses, and he's used it many, many times, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples is let's find something that I can scare people with and let's create this massive conspiracy theory and then let's sell them the cure. Now, some of this gets into the incredibly ridiculous. At one point on Dr. McCullough's website and in his company, he was making the claim that, and I'm not making this up, this is true, that spring mattresses, you know, those coil springs, mm -hmm. amplify harmful radiation and that you're actually getting radiation from the springs. And you know hmm. what? There were vitamin supplements that he prom promotes and sells that could cure that. And he huh. did. Um, on his website have been, now he's, he's since taken all the stuff down. And I think, you know, because he was starting to get too much legal heat. So the, here are some of the, web, the headlines that were on his website. 
Um, your flu shot contains a dangerous neurotoxin. Vitamin D, the silver bullet for cancer, which he sells vitamin D, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do full disclosure here. As some of you have listened to this podcast before, my son has autism. So one of them was learn how homeopathy cured a boy of autism. Now, hmm. I'm going to give my personal rant on this for just Go a for minute. It. As a father, <laughs> yeah, as a father of a child with autism, I would literally cut off my right arm to cure my son of autism. Mm -hmm. I would do anything. Okay, people who sell this kind of false hope to to parents who are dealing with autism, I hope there's a special place in hell for them, because you're preying on the worst event possible. It's a child that you can't fix and a parent who loves that child who would do anything to fix that. So saying that homeopathy medicine, which he sells very profitably, by the mm -hmm. way, could cure my son of autism, is some of the worst of what society has to offer, in my opinion. And he has done very well by doing it. In an actual affidavit, a court affidavit where he was being sued, he admitted that his net worth is in excess of $100 million. Now, I don't know a whole lot of osteopathic doctors who are primary care focused, whose net worth is over $100 million. Mm. Um, he has been um, warned by the Food and Drug Administration on multiple occasions. Um, at one point, he was promoting and selling tanning beds as a cure by saying that um, they actually reduced your chances of getting cancer, okay? Um, and he had to pay back several million dollars, I think almost $3 million to people who bought those tanning beds as a refund as part of a settlement with the Federal Trade Commission who mm -hmm. brought up false advertising claims against him. So Mercola's got this long history. And when COVID came, he saw dollar signs and said, hoo hoo. I could tell people that these vaccines are garbage, that they're changing their DNA, which he actually said, not mm -hmm. true. And then I can sell them the cure. I can sell them vitamin D and I can sell them all these supplements and he made a ton of money doing it. Right. So that's who the good Dr. McCullough is. Right. And it's interesting because that seems to be the tactic of a lot of people that I wonder why they're successful at whatever media venture that they might be in. For example, Alex Jones would be, Alex Jones is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. He's come up with conspiracy after conspiracy after conspiracy. I know at one point um, he was convinced that there were government robots in the water that you were drinking. And what did he have on his website? It was a water filter to filter your tap water <laughs> exactly. to get the government bots out. Um, another example I can think of in the religious world in the Catholic world, of which, which I am a part of, is the right-wing website uh, Church Militant. You have someone who constantly says that the current pontiff is, is the Antichrist, and that if you pay to join their premium subscription, you are fighting, you are fighting Satan in the church by mm -hmm. joining his, yeah. by joining his uh, resistance movement. Um, so this seems to be the common theme for people that... that that um, that make a lot of money on a lot of these conspiracies because mm -hmm. sometimes people wonder about that that well they must be successful so that there must be something behind what they're saying and and really it's no it's preying on it's preying on fear uh, and it's preying on um, I liked what you said false hope that that's yeah. that's really what it is yeah exactly and 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 Mercola's not the only one who's ever done it through no. throughout time and he just is pretty good at it and he definitely was he made like the the 
the top 12, you know, um, super spreaders for disinformation, for misinformation. Right. And the interesting thing is another person on that list is actually his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> so there were two in that same sort of household that made that list. But he figured out that this is a wonderful way to make an absolute ton of money. And he has made mm -hmm. a ton of money on these people. And what I wonder is, you know, how many people listened to him and believed him because he's a doctor and, and didn't know better and didn't get vaccinated and died or mm -hmm. tried to cure their COVID with his supplements and died. Um, we'll never know that number, but I right. know it's more than a few. Right. During the heights of COVID, I worked as a, um, as a producer on a nationally syndicated radio program, and we talked a decent amount about COVID, and we got pushback from a lot of listeners um, who would frequently point to, Mercola is one of the people that came up more than once, but point mm -hmm. to various people on the internet. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was another mm -hmm. person uh, in his children's health defense, I think is what the name of his organization is called. Um, when talking about COVID and how really it's all a big scam. So I want to read to you, these are some of the, the, the bullet points at the top, Ron, of this article in the Epic Times that he wrote um, earlier uh I guess this would be late last week that this article popped up. The first bullet point is that the, the CDC uh, has publicly warned that COVID is one of the top 10 causes of death in children aged 5 to 11, uh, yet they've never conducted any analysis for that age group. True or false? Um, this is one of the things that's really crafty about Mercola. There's a grain of truth there if you understand sort of what he's trying to get at the question. So the question is... Um, you know, have you definitively done, for example, autopsies on those kids, et cetera? No. Okay. Um, they're, they're using some inference data like we use on, on general mortality for, mm -hmm. um, for COVID. And part of what their, that inference data is, we know that the total number of deaths for all age groups is a very constant number in this country. And we know that it went up dramatically. So they call it excess deaths. So yes, they're saying, you know, we know that, you know, uh, children age 5 to 11, the number of total deaths went up by X. We know that on the death certificate, the, the physician listed COVID as the cause of death. You know, can we go back and definitively, did we do an autopsy and find out that there wasn't a brain hemorrhage that would have been completely unrelated? No. Well, that's what he's picking on. Right. Well, they haven't done that specific study. But he, and he phrases it in a way to almost look like, well, they're just making this crap up, which is not true. That's a very good point. And that's a thing where, where you can say that something is true, true and related. Yes. Um, when you talk about, I mean, you had significantly more deaths than you had the previous year. What happened during that year? We had a novel coronavirus that we had never right. seen before. So that's right. that's obviously where you can say that. Because I know we talk about true, true and unrelated a lot on this program. Um, and that's an instance where it's true, true and related. I should have given you a little warning about the true false thing. I, I'm sorry about no, that, okay. but we'll no, keep going with right. some of these bullet no points worries. if you're good with it. Mm -hmm. The CDC, he says, has also lied about Pfizer's study results. This is for the Pfizer mRNA vaccine. He says mm -hmm. claiming that the Pfizer, they claim the Pfizer jab was 92% effective for those with previous COVID infection. And the actual trial data found no evidence of effect efficacy of those with previous infection. True or false? Um, again, Great sort of truth. true, mostly false. Yep. Um, so the trial data, what he's talking about was when they did the, the study data, didn't track whether you had a previous COVID infection. Remember when they were doing those trials, there wasn't a whole lot of great testing being done. 
So people may went into the trial and said, I think I had COVID, but there was, you know, at the time they were doing those first uh, trials, there weren't home tests. Mm -hmm. So they didn't track that piece of data. They knew that it was effective for people. They made some assumptions based on wastewater, et cetera, on how many of those people probably had had a previous bout of COVID. And what they showed was that the study group, um, the, the, control group didn't have a very good response and they would have expected them to have a good response to the control group, meaning no no actual vaccine, if they had had some of it had previous COVID infection. So again, it's one of those things where, no, they didn't specifically do that in the trial data, but that wasn't the point of the trial. The trial was to find out if it was effective in keeping people out of the hospital, et cetera, mm -hmm. which it clearly was. And that's what he's not wanting to point out. Those were the two that I think we could point to as having a grain of truth in them. The next three, I think we can agree, are, are provably false. And so the first one is, in July 2021, the FDA quietly disclosed finding an increase in four types of severe adverse events in elderly people who received the Pfizer COVID vaccine, uh, include acute myocardial infarction, uh, disseminated intravascular coagulation, immune thrombotopenia, which we talked about a few weeks ago, and pulmonary embolism. Says, however, more than a year later, that study's still not published. I've seen studies on those, and yeah. they don't say what he's claiming for them to say. No, they actually say the opposite. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know where he's coming up with that. Um, that one, I don't know where his grain of truth is, even though I try to find that little bit of grain of truth, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's there. Because I know we talked about the um, throgduck thrombactopenia, excuse me, yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, and that was an instance where they found four people out of the thousands of right. people that they studied, and that was young men um, right. that they had studied across the United States and Europe, and they said it was, and that was for Johnson & Johnson and for uh, AstraZeneca, which right. he's not even talking about here. Uh, the FDA, he says, is also hiding other studies. Buried inside a study protocol, the FDA discusses findings from unpublished cohort of studies from the third dose for the third dose safety in the Medicare population where historical controls were used. He says in that Medicare study, the FDA found significant risk for immune uh, thrombactopenia and acute mitocardial infarction among those with prior COVID-19 diagnosis, as well as an increased risk of Bell's palmacy and pulmonary embolism in general. Again, I haven't seen that. No, I haven't seen that either. And one of the things to people to understand is you know, this, and I love the increased risk of Bell's palsy and pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. Anytime you put a needle in a human body, there's some risk of either Bell's palsy for hitting a nerve or pulmonary embolism. Mm -hmm. Now that risk is infinitesimally small, but you know, there's a, so is it true that it, by getting a vaccine, you're increasing your risk of Bell's palsy and pulmonary embolism? Well, yeah, technically speaking, because you're injecting a needle in and those two things could happen, but it's, infinitesimally small. I mean, you got a better chance of winning a lottery than you do getting Bell's palsy or pulmonary embolism from an, in, an injection. Mm -hmm. uh, the final one, uh, and he says, analysis of the CDC's uh, mortality and morbidity weekly reports reveals that the CDC is systematically and automatically hiding jab-related deaths, particularly in categories like cancer, cardiac deaths, and strokes to make the shots appear unrelated to excess deaths. Well, and I think what he's talking about here is he goes on a lot about talking about the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Yep, I was um, just about to bring that up. And and he's making the wrong connection here, and it's clearly wrong. Um, and what he's saying is, look, well, you know, these people had their vaccine 
Um, and then six months later, they died of cancer mm-hmm. or a stroke or a, well, see, those are clearly related. Well, no, they're not. They're absolutely not. The vaccine adverse events reporting system is designed to look for every possible connection. Okay, so it's designed to collect everything that happened and say, okay, so for, in, in, and I'll take it to a ridiculous standpoint. Um, you had a vaccine and the next day you wore a pair of jeans and then you died in a car accident. Well, maybe the jeans caused it, right. you know, maybe, you know, and it's designed to have all these possible connections so that then you can evaluate it and look and say, well, what are the things we can say are potentially connected and what aren't? And what they found was, for example, like cancer, there is no connection between the vaccine and dying of a cancer. There was no connection between the vaccine and, and some of these cardiac issues, et cetera. So, you know, the, you know, the CDTC's mortality morbidity is not hiding information or systematically, you know, lowering the jab-related deaths. I mean, that's just ridiculous, mm-hmm. especially when you think about how on earth this one vaccine could increase your chance of having death from cancer. And, I mean, I couldn't imagine the outcry from organizations like the American Medical Association or any scientific body of any university that wouldn't be up, jumping up and down if they had known that this was happening, oh. given just the honest, you know, science that a lot of these physicians and, and, and PhDs want to do. Well, and the first thing that would happen is we wouldn't see doctors all vaccinating themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or their kids for that matter. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I've talked to, um, I watched an emergency room physician get really heated in a discussion one time when the pediatric, um, vaccines were first coming out and somebody's argued well i'm not going to jab my kids and she said well i'm jabbing my kids and he said why are you doing that to your children and she said because i intubated a kid today you know and and mm-hmm. granted you know some people say well not that many kids died and really it wasn't nearly as bad for kids but how many is an acceptable number if they're avoidable right because if it's my kid the answer is zero is the only acceptable number so mm-hmm. yeah i you know you're right the if this were truly something where the government was hiding this crap, doctors are smart people that have figured it out and there'd be an outcry of it. Um, and they darn sure wouldn't be vaccinating themselves at the rate that they are. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems to reading through some of the, the rest of this article and cause that's, that's essentially the summaries, the bullet points mm-hmm. we just read yeah. and looking at, he's got graphs on here that I have no idea where he pulled them from. Although it looks like he says he pulled them from a, a website called The Ethical Skeptic, which yeah. I don't know if I will be taking a look at that and wasting my time. But taking a look at some of the rest of this article and looking at you know just some of the comments on the side, you see a lot of people that it seems like they've got a confirmation bias in here, that they're reading this, and all of a sudden, here's one person. She says, as a hospice worker, I've seen empirical evidence that senior population is dying much quickly from recently diagnosed cancers, and it's all because of the vaccines. Well, is that really true, or is that true because... You've read it, and now you're starting to see more. You're starting to see people die of cancer, and you're making that connection. Um, same thing down here at the bottom. There's someone who says that, that lawyers should be suing the CDC and FDA, and they would make a bundle of money on this, except that they wouldn't because it's provably false. And I don't know if you can sue the federal government. Right. Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I know a guy who I think in his soul believes that. If he wears the right jersey, his favorite hockey team is going to win because every time he's worn it, they won. Right. And so that's his that's his trial, and he's convinced that that's the. And I'm never going to talk him out of it. Um, and and I same thing. I, I you know I know somebody who 
you know, try to tell me, well, I've seen all these people in, in nursing homes and all this. So you're one environment in this highly anecdotal where you also didn't get to do an autopsy or whatever that you've now drawn a conclusion that the whole country is wrong um, from what you've seen. And, and yeah, you've got some observation bias there. The other thing is some of the stuff he puts in there, like, you know, I think one of his comments was something how like, you know, one out of every 800 people with the vaccine is going to have some serious injury. Okay. Probably meaning that, you know, that, um, caused by the vaccine right if, if anywhere close to that had come out in the initial studies where they were doing 30,000 you know initial if anywhere close to one out of every 800 that vaccine would have never been approved as a matter of fact the trial would have been shut down immediately you know so where he comes up with this one out of 800 it'd be nice to see where that data is mm -hmm. yeah and you know it's interesting because I remember when I, I got I got both jabs um, fairly early on uh, in when my age group opened up. And I remember I mentioned to someone who, who I was legitimately close friends with and they, I don't know if I have spoken to them since because not because of something that I've decided to do, but because they, I don't think were necessarily willing to speak to me after I had told them that I had gotten the vaccine and they were, con they were convinced that something was going to happen to me. And I have yet to experience that um, where, where that has been the case, but they were, hurriedly reassuring me well we're i'm going to be part of the control group and we're going to prove that every that all these other people are wrong well you can be part of the control group and we've seen that you are more susceptible to the virus than ever than the people who've gotten vaccinated yeah so yeah that, that didn't work out too well for a lot of people in that control mm -hmm. group um yeah i mean i i got it very early because um because my son has autism, I'm in the category of a caregiver. Mm -hmm. So I was almost in that same first wave as people who were working in hospitals and stuff because, you know, we provide him, provide him care. So my wife and I got vaccinated very early. And my thing was, I, and luckily I know a lot of doctors. You know, I talked to many of the, uh, several of the doctors that, that I work with and asked them, you know, are you, do you think this thing is, is safe? And they were universally, absolutely. I've seen mm -hmm. the studies, it's safe. And then my next question, are you, are you going to vaccinate it? And most of them, because they worked in the healthcare field, we go, already am. I'm like, yep. all right, that's all I need to know. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've had four. You know, I've had the, yeah. you know, the two, the booster, and the second booster. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've had COVID. It was a very mild experience of COVID. I don't know whether I would have had it much worse. Nobody can ever say that. But I know I wasn't going to take the risk. Right. And I've I've had the the third booster. I haven't had the the updated ones for the new um, the variants. I was waiting to see if I mm -hmm. when I go to my doctor's appointment at some point if they're going to offer that there right in the office. Then I don't have to think about it. Wait wait a minute wait a minute. You're going to follow the advice of your personal physician. You and know not, what? And, and not you know the good what, Dr. Mentioned... McCullough. <laughs> you know, unlike some of the people that I met working in radio, I don't walk <laughs> into my doctor's office saying I know more than you. Now give me what I want. <laughs> Because um, that was my concern when we were talking about the Amazon clinic that you're going to have, or any telemedicine really, you're going to have someone walk in and says, I know what I need, just prescribe it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, and I mentioned this before, is that I don't normally get the flu shot. And when I was at my doctor's office last year, they said, well, I needed a tetanus booster because I was a little late on, on a tetanus booster. And they said, well, do you want to, do you want a flu shot? Where here? It's like, well, I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do you reckon? It's like, well, we recommend people get it. Cause it's sort of like the COVID vaccine. You know, the more people that get the flu shot, the less the flu is going to go around. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's fine. It's, it's not going to cost me anything when I'm sitting there. And it's not like we know people don't die from the flu vaccine. Yeah. Um, 
with the exception being Ukraine, where they're using live virus flu vaccines, right. unlike what we use in, in the rest of the right. country. And I've mentioned that on the Friday Pulse Check, just as an interesting public health problem that they're they're having there, that that's what they have access to. And because their healthcare system is such shambles, um, you are seeing deaths there, but that's because it's a, it's, excuse me, it's not a shot, it's a pill. It's a live virus um, mm-hmm. flu pill vaccine, which I right. was not even aware that was being used anymore. Well, well, your doctor's nicer than mine. When I when I went um, in the middle of COVID, when the uh, the flu vaccines were coming out, um, my doctor's nurse walked in and said, "We're getting the flu vaccine today." And I kind of looked at her like, and she said, "It wasn't a question." I was like, <laughs> "Okay." And then, and then she pointed out, she said, "Really, if you don't want it," but you know, she pointed out, you know, the last thing we want you to do is be dealing with COVID and get the flu. Mm-hmm. So let's just go ahead and do it. And I routinely hadn't gotten the flu vaccine, but I just thought it was funny that, you know, and they know me really well, but they, she's like, you're getting the flu vaccine. I looked at her funny. She goes, it wasn't a question. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I get it. You know, in going back to our armor color conversation, I don't know if there's an answer. Cause I think the people that are convinced that the internet people like Mercola are right. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily convincing them. In the same way, when we talk about politics, I don't know if there's yeah. any convincing people that, that yeah. are convinced Trump lost the election, or excuse me, convinced Trump won the election, that it, that's not the case. No. And I'm not sure, I mean, I think that's dangerous for our country. I think it, it plays more into the divisiveness that we currently have. And, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't make me scared per se, because I just don't think about it that much, but it does make me nervous in a political yeah. sense of, of what might happen uh, in the next 10, 15, 20 years if this continues. I agree. I agree. Something we need to be very careful about. If you like this episode, be sure to check out full-length episodes of the Flatlining Podcast wherever you are listening to this program, and be sure to sign up for our e-newsletters at flatlining.net.